A woman uh, from the secular world who recently wrote a book on the hazards of raising boys in t- today's times. And she pointed out three primary problems. One, boys for some reason have developed a swagger and that's how they think they're going to get through life, you know? I'm me. Get out of my way. That's problem number one. Secondly, they see reading as a girly thing. Can you imagine? And number four, I mean number three, there just aren't enough adults in their life. We have set our kids aside and said, figure it out. And we are reaping the results of that. We have Brian Molitor here tonight with us all day, and actually we are looking at bringing him back for a full-blown Molitor conference sometime in the next 10 or 12 months. Brian doesn't come just to point out the problems. He comes from the Word, from the vast amount of experience, and the filling of the Holy Spirit to share with us how we can go, where we can go in raising our children to be godly men and women. So with that, let's uh, welcome Brian Molitor. Thanks, buddy. All right, how's everybody doing? How is the food? Some of you guys need to do this. Those of you that had the barbecue, please, okay? Because I'm not sitting here all night looking at that stuff because I didn't get one and I'm really hungry right now. All right, don't mind this. This is uh, just, you know, just a little housekeeping. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, We're going to enjoy ourselves tonight, right? So if you're geared up for like this heavy, deep, ain't going to happen. And when this picture goes over, is that going to be fun? No, we'll be okay. So we're going to have fun. Um, But we can have fun talking about serious, important things, can't we? Yes, we can. And there's nothing better than talking about the next generation. Thank you. That is going to, you are going to be a faithful guy down there. I thought you were going to stay there the whole night and just hold that leg. (laughs) What a guy. Thank you, Brian. You're a good man. Um, Because if anything can be tipped over, I can tip it over. Sometimes I get nervous, you know, when when I'm going to speak here. Not about the speaking at all, but I have a flashback. Anybody have a a time in your past where you did something and you really duffed it badly and it kind of sticks with you? No, not over there. Okay. I see my first volunteer. I got you, brother. You, you, I'm going to get you. Here, okay. Here's the deal. I, my real job is as a business consultant. So I go into places, we do assessments and strategic plans and all that stuff. And sometimes I have to give kind of a bad report back, right? To, to the leadership of a company. Well, I'm in North Carolina and um, I have a bad report I have to get back to, the, to this general manager. And the poor guy is freaking out. I mean, now, this comes from interviewing 300 of his employees. Okay? So it's like the report from his employees that's going to come back to him and then back to the employees. So I meet with him and I share kind of the, the tough report. You know, leadership's not really stepping up, yada, yada, yada. And the guy just, I mean, he just turns like white, like, oh. And he's freaking. He's like, you, you can't tell them all that. I said, well, why, why not? Well, they'll think there are problems here. I'm pretty sure since the information came from them, they're aware that there are some problems here. Oh, but you can So, man, it's like an extra hour talking this guy into, no, let's go ahead and do what we said we would do. We interviewed the people, collected the data. I've shared the data with you. Now we have to go share it with the people. So there are about this many people in a room about half this size waiting to hear the bad report, right? And it's kind of like the the natives are getting restless because they're an hour past when we said we were going to share the information. Well, I got to tell you, I'm getting stressed out, right? I'm stressed out. He's stressing me out. Now we got to go share the bad news with all these people. So there's this little podium stagey thing like this, and I'm sitting out, there's a row of plastic chairs bolted to the floor, okay? That's how they did it there. I don't know why they bolted their chairs to the floor, but they did. 
So I sit in this chair. Well, this chair, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of like this, but it's hard plastic. And there's this little opening right here in the back. I don't know what that opening's for. I don't even want to know. You know what I'm saying? Why would they do that? I don't know. Okay. So I'm sitting there. And because I'm stressed out, I'm a little fidgety. I'm just a little fidgety, right? You just fidget, right? Uh, I'm not trying to fidget. I'm just fidgeting because I'm nervous. I'm scared. And uh, the guy gets up and he does like 20 minutes of whatever you're going to hear is not as bad as what it sounds. So I'm fidgeting more in my chair, which is facing this way. And I'm waiting. You're kind of like this racehorse and you're waiting for the gate to open and the bell to sound so you can run up there and share this information. Well, I'm a left back pocket wallet guy. So as I'm fidgeting around, my wallet goes on the other side of the chair. It's through the opening. And in my fidgeting, it twists. And it can't make it back out through the opening twisted like that. Well, I don't know that because I'm kind of focused on the deal. And so, you know, it was like this bungee cord. And when it was time, he finally says, okay, here's Molitor. He's going to share this stuff. Man, I just leaped up. Well, when you're, when you're, wallety pocket thing is stuck in the bolted chair to the ground thing. I jumped up on the stage. I heard the ripping. And it looked like this. Because my pocket ripped completely out and is hanging with my wallet down here. And from this side of my butt over, the mystery's over. Now, go ahead and share the information, sir. <laughs> Golly. So you probably wonder why I was sitting on there, because there's no little hole over there that my wallet could have got caught in. So we made it. Okay. That's um, irrelevant, but I just like sharing that story. It makes me feel like tonight's a better night. Okay. So what are we here to talk about? This is audience participation. I will call on you. You cannot hide. What are we here to talk about? Next generation, right? Transformation of the next generation. That's why we're here. I love seeing all these beautiful young ones in here and the babies and all this stuff. This is good. Young guys, young gals. This is a special place. I, I don't say that everywhere I go. Some places I walk into and my spirit just sinks. I walk in here, I got happy today. Okay? Pretty special place. So, so here's what I want you to do, just with the people around you, just for a couple minutes. This is a three-minute exercise. What do you hope to gain from being here tonight? Right? And, and what difference will it make potentially for you, your family, this church, and this community if we connect more with the next generation. You have three minutes to have that very short discussion with the people around you. Go.
finish up. You have one minute to finish up. What's at stake? What are you going to gain? Thirty seconds. Twenty seven seconds. It goes it goes slow. Twenty two. All right. Let's hear from somebody out there, somebody with a nice loud voice. I will call upon you. Come on. What do you hope to gain? Encouragement for raising our kids. Fantastic. Somebody over here. Why are we here? Insight into how I can be a better father, husband, and grandfather. Awesome. Somebody over here. Come on. How to be a great mentor. Thank you. Um, listen, <clears throat> I do things for a reason. So even to ask you to speak up in a group like this, there's a reason for that. Because there's a little edge to that, isn't there? It takes a little, right? Yes, true? Okay. You've got to get over that stuff. Because what's happening in our world is we're not speaking up. And the voices being heard are the weirdos. And the fringe people. And they have no problem being heard outside. True or false? They write letters to the editor. They get on the news. They speak up real loud. And the rest of us go, we don't agree with it. Right? We don't agree. But we're silent. That has to stop. Because somebody's got to speak up for what's right. And we don't have to be religious about it. And we don't have to be kooky about it. We just need to be normal to say, um, no, that's wrong. It's so shocking and cool when men and women of God stand up and go, excuse me, that's wrong. That's not correct. What? Did you hear what they Yeah, I heard what they said. They said that's wrong. Oh, because there's a small percentage of people that are on the fringe way over there. And there's some really wild and crazy radical people over there that know what's right. So they know what's wrong and they're just doing it anyway. They know what's right. And they're fighting for it. And then there's a whole bunch of us in the middle going. Right? So what happens when the rest of us start speaking up and going, you know what? They're right. They're right. Okay? We don't need God out of everything in our society. That's not healthy. You follow me? Kids don't need to be released to, to harm themselves. We've got to speak up. All right? You're going to have some other opportunities to speak up tonight. Um, please take it. Okay, have you ever heard of the generational curse? Anybody? Generational curse. This is audience participation. If you don't give me feedback, I'm going to freak out up here. So you've got to give it to me, right? I'll sit there and I'll tear off my wall. No, I won't. I'm not doing that ever again. That's done. That's over. My wife said, don't embarrass me tonight. I said, honey, you're 2,000 miles away. How will you know? <clears throat> anyway, um, generational curse, right? I kind of grew up. And hearing this for the last couple decades, oh, generational, be careful, man, dude, generational curse, generational curse. I don't ever want to hear about it again. You know what I want to hear about? I want to hear about generational blessings. Ah, isn't that better? Generational blessings. Because a generational blessing is infinitely more powerful than any generational curse could ever be. And the scripture tells us that an undeserved curse does not light. In other words, there's no place for that thing to land. Uh, the children don't deserve a curse. Hello? They don't deserve a curse. And scripture says, therefore, the curse can't land on them. So let's stop that. But let's start talking about generational blessings. Because the curses, three and four generations... The blessing, a thousand generations. We've got to get our mind right on this stuff. I'm tired of hearing about the generational curses, and we almost quake in fear. Oh, my generational curse. Break it then. 
the blood of the Lamb. Break it. The power of your testimony. Break it. It doesn't belong here. Don't allow. If there's been things passed down to the generation, and clearly there are similarities. There are things that get passed down. You be the generation that says no more. From this point forward, no more. Is it possible? Yeah. My African-American son, Brian Pruitt, came from four generations of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and murder. He is married. He's been married for 15 years. He has four children. He's married a physician. He is a public speaker, motivational speaker all over the world. He's a model husband, a model father. Break it. Don't allow it anymore. In your family line, if things have been handed down, tonight's the night that you need to understand you have the power and the authority through Christ to break it. No more. This stops tonight. Okay? So generational uh, blessings are passed down as well. Now, I could talk a long time on this one. Maybe I'd get my point across, but I want to. Sh- let me just show you. Let me just show you what I mean here, okay? Oh, there's that box. Good. We'll use that for something. I need a few volunteers. Oh, thank you, sir. Come on up. Your hand just shot right up. I love that. Come here. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's good. What are you laughing at? Come here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, isn't that funny, huh? How you doing, brother? Good. Right there. Come here, man. Okay. You are right there. Good. Aren't they handsome? Huh? Come on. Good. Uh-huh. Okay. Great. Great. Oh, this is funny? Come here. I got another one. These guys are great. Okay, I need you right here. Spread out just a little bit. Let's see. Uh-huh. Let's see. Oh, oh, oh come here. Ha-ha. Come on. I will not embarrass you. Uh, I mean, not intentionally. I won't embarrass you. But, you know, if you're embarrassed, check your wallets before you get up here, and, and you'll be okay. I need one more. Let's see. Oh, uh-huh. Come here, big man. Right here. All right, here we go. Don't you get, don't they, give me a hand. Come on. They're freaking out. What are we doing? Here's how this thing works. This represents a person's life. Okay? I thought it would be more, but it's not. It's kind of things are rough. Okay? This is a person's life. Here's this handsome man right here. What is your name, sir? Don. Don. Come here. Come back here. Come here. You don't start over there. I'll tell you why in a minute. This is, your, this is Don's life. Not yet. Don't read that. Look that way. Don is born. He begins to live his life. Imagine this is a timeline going that way. You all with me? Time is going that way. He's walking through life. Okay? 10, 20, 30. He meets this gorgeous woman. Apple of his eye. They get married. And they produce this handsome son. He looks just like... There he is right there. Get it? Uh Uh-huh. That's his son. There we go. So, So this stuff... Good stuff is going into Don's box, and every now and then something not so good, right? But this is his life. Eventually, something really bad happens. Don passes. And when he passes, what does he do with his life? He hands it off, right? All right, Don, sorry, buddy, you got to go back there. You're all done. Thank you. Heads to heaven. Life is good. All right? What is your first name? Cameron. 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 No, well, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, Don. Hey, hey, hey. How does a dead man get from here to there? My goodness. We ain't done, brother. I need you. (laughs) All right. He's born. Mom and dad gave him everything that they could. He's got it in his life. He starts walking forward. Oh, man, he meets this gorgeous knockout young lady. They get married. They produce this handsome son. The process continues. Unfortunately, you're done. Your life is ended. You guys getting the picture now? Your name, sir? This is Michael. Got it? He's born. Walks through life. Meets this gorgeous... Oh, they produce this beautiful daughter right here. And unfortunately, at the end of his life, he hands off his box to his beautiful daughter. You're done. Yep, bye, Dad. That was touching right there. What is your name? Debbie. This is Debbie. Debbie is born. She moves through life. She meets this handsome man. They get married. They produce this handsome son over here. And at the end of her life, something has happened to her handsome husband. Things do happen. She's carrying her load. 
she hands it off to this next generation, and he's got it. And unfortunately, her life ends, and so she's done. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Fifth generation, right? Fifth generation. So let's reach in the box and see what did these five generations leave to this beautiful young man here. Hold on, pal. Go ahead and read what was left to you. My my inheritance. Confusion, poverty, fear, negative role models, brokenness, doubts, unbelief, um, addictions, spiritual death. Wow. That's what was in the box handed down. Could that happen? Okay, don't go away. Wow. That, boy, I don't know. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. All right, my brother, here we go. You know how this story works, right? We can go a little quicker this time. Born, moves through life, gets married, beautiful lady, has a son. All right, go. Got it? Moving through life. Got it? Beautiful daughter, going through life. Here we go. Five generations just passed before our eyes. The handoff is made. Is there anything else in there? Ooh, what you got? My inheritance, clear vision, wealth, courage, confidence, positive role models, holiness, wisdom, faith, freedom, spiritual life. Ooh, is that better? All right, give them a round of applause. Thank you, everybody. You're all set. Thanks a lot. So what would you see? There's a transfer that takes place from generation to generation. So I would invite you to consider what was in the box handed to you. Was it good stuff? Was it bad stuff? It was probably a combination, wasn't it? Well, this whole generational curse thing, so much of it really deals with the fact that we've been handed this box. And as we live our life out, we just carry it around. This is the hand I was dealt. Daddy was a this, mama was a this, he wasn't here, she did this, da-da-da-da, and we just carry it around. What makes more sense? If it's bad, throw it out. Make a choice. Ain't no fate, not for the believer. Let's walk this this thing out in faith and take the junk out and hand off to the next generation the good stuff. If your generation, if the generations before you didn't hand you the really good stuff, stop talking about it, stop complaining about it, stop being broken about it. Take the box, throw out the bed, and let's get moving. And whether you have one day left or you've got 50 years left, tonight's the night that we start taking the bad out of the box and putting the good in the box. Because when we hand off to this next generation, let's hand them the best of the best. Make sense? Makes sense. Okay, good. Um, There are a couple of reasons why we don't get that positive transfer. And one is we don't have a plan. And the second deals with our hearts. The second deals with our hearts. And what can happen in today's world is our hearts can become consumed with other things. And busyness overtakes us. And all of a sudden, we don't have time to even think about the box. And we run through life. And on that last day, we just kind of toss it to the next generation. And they catch it. And now they got it. And now they've got to deal with it. That's not the way we want to live. So here's a question. I want to honor those that are in full-time ministry. How many are in full-time ministry here? Okay, how many? One, two, three, quite a few. Yeah. Great. You got to watch me. How many are in full-time ministry here? It's better. It's better. It's better. It's better. You got to get this. You got to get this. We can't keep saying, the pastors got it. They're the ones that have to make it happen. You do it. No, we do it. Every one of you in here is called to the ministry, which means to serve. 
Every one of you here is called to the ministry of the next generation. Everybody. And can you imagine the power in this room when we in this room say together, we will make a difference in this community? Pastor, come on. Oh, my goodness. But we got to stop this thing about, well, you know, we pay those guys to take care of the next generation. No, you don't. You pay them as part of the leadership of the body of Christ to prepare us so that every joint can supply what is needed in this community, especially for the children. All right. Malachi 4.6 says this. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Very powerful. That's in English. Let me tell you what the original language means. The word father literally means father, principal, or chief. Okay? Men, I am talking directly to you. This is the last passage in the Old Testament. And God is saying, it's important that your heart turns to the next generation. The word heart means feelings, will, and intellect. It means there are days when you just can't wait to love on those kids. And there are other days when you just want to trade them in for a puppy, right? Any parents ever have that deal? Right? But God covered the whole base. And he said, it's your feelings, it's your will, and your intellect. And there are days when the kids are being naughty and loud and screaming and yelling and hollering. You've got to override the emotion. True or false? Right? You've got to love on them. So we understand that he's talking to fathers. He's talking about you turn your heart means everything turns to that generation. Children is the word ben. It means sons. It does not exclude daughters. And I love this. It means builders of the family name. Isn't that awesome? God said, turn your hearts to the builders of the family name. And it's hard to imagine these little ones here that are now the builders of the family name. We've got to get back to understanding the power of a name. Your family name in previous generations, maybe it was a, a curse word. Maybe, maybe you weren't handed a good name. But guess what? Your generation can stop that right now. And from this day forward, your name begins to mean something. It means man of God, woman of God, family of God, people of excellence. And the children become the builders of the family name. How powerful is that? There are times that my children have acted up and I would sit them down and I would say, is that an action that will build this family name? And it stops them cold. That's a whole lot different than don't do that because I said so. Amen? Build the family name. These are things that we poured into our children. They understand it. It transforms their lives. I love this one the best. Turn. He will turn the hearts of the fathers. That word means to turn back. Some of us need to turn back to our children. It means to carry again. My oldest son is six foot six, 200 pounds. If I attempted to carry him again, please call 911. I'm in deep trouble. But God is saying, Brian, carry Christopher like you did when he was little, when his little head fit here and his butt fit here and his legs fit here. Carry him again and don't ever let him go in your heart. That's the call. It also means to refresh and rescue, it also means to go back home again. And there are people that have left their children. They've left home. And God is saying, you go home. And there's some of us that even though we're inside the structure, our hearts are not close to the children. And God is saying, you get home. You bring your heart back to those children. That's the call. Here's the good news for us parents. How, how, does that sound like hard work for parents? Anybody say, man, that's hard work? Or is it just me? It's hard work. Here's the really good news. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And every word is exactly the same. Here's what it means. When we are old and these little ones that we're so close to grow up and move on. How many of you had the kids that have moved out of the house? They left home. Was that hard for anybody? It's hard. Buddy, I, you talk about tears, man. I cried the hardest when my sons left home. It was real tough, okay? But what it means is when they leave home and I'm old and gray, I won't be alone because they will now come back. They'll come home again. They'll rescue and they'll refresh. 
Do you see God's plan here? Isn't it beautiful? The plan was that we would pour into them and we would release them out to to make their way in the world. And at the appropriate time, they will come back and they'll help us. That's how it's to be. The generations are not to be separated. My own father passed three years ago. My mother passed in April. I'm really happy to say, through both of those difficult circumstances, we were there. They lived in a home that we had, a ministry house that we had, so we were close. They got to stay exactly where they wanted. And I remember as a little kid, my dad wasn't real demonstrative or anything, but I remember as a little kid one time being all sad about something and having him stroking my hair like that and how good that felt to have a dad doing that. And I remember near his death, sitting there at his bedside, this big old strong dude no longer has strength. And I just, I sat down and I remember stroking his hair. I didn't plan to do it, but it happened. And I thought about that passage and I said, oh God, how awesome of you, Father, that you would cause one generation to bless the next. You see, this is what's being set up here around the world. I I get very excited about it. Um, I didn't tell you one part of that passage, though. I'm sorry. He'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers, or dot, 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 I will come and strike the land with a curse. That's the word of God. I've shared this message in Africa and Australia, all across the country, many other nations, and what I see in the generation that's coming up right now, it's not a lot of blessing. I see a lot of curse. I see a lot of brokenness. So what's the key? If the government would only, if pastor would only, if, uh, 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 no, if I only, if my heart would turn back to the next generation, if, we, if this many men in here would turn our hearts back to the next generation, guess what happens? No curse. No curse. You would see a blessing pour out on this place. You couldn't believe it. It's not hard. It's a matter of the heart. Now, um, Yeah, I'm going to skip that part because I think you guys got that all right. Um, I wonder if anybody out here doubts the power of this. But let me lay it out like this. A parent has about 18 years to lay a foundation upon which a child will build for half a century. I'm going to say it again. You as a parent, or if you're a grandparent raising kids, you have 18 to 20 years to lay a foundation upon which your child will build for half a century. We can give them that time. We can give them that time. And I'm not just talking biological children here. Because my guess is within just a few miles of this building, there are many fatherless ones that need a man in their life. True or false? They need us. I don't want some secular weirdo stepping into the role that the man of God is to play. I want us to do that. I want us to be the influencers of the next generation. That's our role. That's our job. But this whole turn your heart thing and the, then the kids' hearts will turn back, I don't know. I mean, that just kind of sounds pie in the sky like some spiritual woo, right? Several years ago, I was elk hunting in Durango, Colorado. I was hunting with a buddy of mine, and there were about 30 Christian men that were hunting in this place. We hunted for three days, got kind of tired. Colorado's the only place that everywhere you go is up. I don't know how they did that, but kind of kind of rugged terrain. And on the third day, my buddy I was hunting with is a little bit older than I, and I said, look, dude, let's go to Silverton, grab a burger, take it easy, and, and then we'll hit it again tomorrow. Well, there was a guy in camp, name was Jeff. Jeff is one of these amazing human beings that there's no, there was no neck. He, he's a wrestling champ, okay? And he's this guy that from the bottom of his ears to the tips of his shoulders was muscle. Have you ever seen that guy? You know that guy? My gosh, how do, I don't know how they do that. There's no neck. What is your shirt size, sir? I, I don't know. There, there's no neck. I don't know how you do that, all right? So he's there. Now, for three days we've been with this guy. He's not uttered one word intelligible English, not one word. And around dinner time, he's the point and grunt guy. You know, so food... Keep your elbows off the table. He will bite you. This guy's crazy. No words, just muscle and no talking. Okay, Jeff. Jeff hears us talk about going to uh, Silverton. 
And he, he just blurts out. He goes, not with you. I said, man, I, I, God, interpretation, please translate. What did he say? What he said was, can I go with you? Oh, yeah, okay, you're talking English? Good. Okay, I got it. We said, sure. So we're in the front. Jeff's in the back. And again, he's just this human muscle guy. And uh, remember when you were a kid before seatbelts, you could lean up front like that? Remember that? That's what he did. And he starts telling us stories about his life. And 90 seconds, it's just fun. 91st second, he went, bam. And he dumped everything that was inside. And what he said was, I was a state champ wrestler, state of Georgia. I was famous as a wrestler. He said, my son came up behind me and was a state champ wrestler. Got a full ride scholarship to University of Georgia. He was the apple of his mother's eye. He was the apple of my eye. He loved God. He participated in the church. He was a superstar, beautiful young man at 18. He went off to college. And for whatever reason, all of the things, because he's this stud athlete, everything that could grab him, grabbed him. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole bit, right? He lost his scholarship. He fell away from his mother. He fell away from his father. He fell away from God. He dropped out of school. He just left. And he wasn't communicating with mom or dad at all. He's gone. Now imagine having your beloved son who you've raised and loved, say, I'm done with this. I'm done. I'm out. No God, don't talk to me about God. Leave me alone. He's gone for a year and a half. They don't know where he's at. He doesn't communicate. He's gone, right? So Jeff tells us this story, man. We're just losing it in the front. We don't know what to say. So we go to Silverton, get hamburgers, come back that night. Well, at night, they'd have the guys sitting around And they'd have somebody share something from the word. And that night was my turn. And you got to picture the scene. You guys are hunters up here. A lot of places I try to share this, you know, and they just kind of look at me like they're horrified. Like, oh, my God. Because the guys are all grubby and they're dirty. You know, they got the nasty. And we got to grow whiskers, you know. And you get off the plane to go hunting and whiskers pop out right away. You got their grubby hunting clothes on. Nobody's showered. It's just, yeah, I love it. Anyway, it's bad. So we're sitting around on these couches that really need to be condemned and burned, you know, because it's, it's just, uh, it's, uh. And, and it's time to share. Well, I just said, well, yeah, let me share a scripture with you. Malachi 4, 6, hearts of the father's children, hearts of the children of the fathers. We've got to really connect with our kids. Boom, that's it. And my buddy, Harry Marcus, he's 70 years old, gray hair, beautiful man, the ultimate father guy. He steps up and says, can we pray for anybody? Well, this is 30 elk hunters. Grubby and dirty, sitting around this arena, and somebody's going to go, yeah, pray for me? Uh Uh-uh. No, we're manly men, right? We don't don't need no prayer. Yeah, Half the guys are dying in there, but nobody wants prayer, right? Well, guess who we want to pray for? Jeff. He's not moving. And old Harry goes, Jeff, can we pray for you, buddy? All right, it's okay. Go ahead. Georgia accent. He goes out, and he sits in a chair, and I mean, he's just stiff as a board. They're like, oh, okay, well, let's pray for him. Old Harry comes over, the ultimate dad, lays his hands on his beautiful face and just says, God, please bless this man. Just, just heal his pain. Old Jeffrey does like a mosh pit dive onto the floor. He's, he cries out. He starts weeping, the toughest guy in the place. And he hollers out through tears, I want my son back. I mean, we were just shocked. And he's just weeping. He's weeping. Well, where do tears come from? Where does a prayer like that come from? Where? The heart. Now, we laid hands on him. We we loved on him a little bit, you know. Now, try to get out of that one as a group of men. Like, where do you go with that? You know what I mean? Start punching each other in the shoulder and... Yeah, let's go kill some elks. <laughs> I got to get to bed now because I'm killing elks tomorrow. Hey. We all just scattering. We go, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Right? So everybody goes to bed really fast. You know, nobody said good night. You know, we're just being. Rah, rah, rah. All right, so next morning, you wake up, have breakfast before 30. Everybody goes up the mountain, up the mountain, up the mountain, ends up back at the cabin. I don't know how that works, but that, in Colorado, that's what you do. 
So the next night, somebody else was going to speak. We had dinner. The guy just starts speaking, and the phone rings. The phone rings. And one of the staff there comes over and goes, uh, excuse me, the uh, phone is for uh, Jeff here. Jeff. So, so Jeff walks out into this little kitchen area, picks up the phone. He's there for about two minutes. And he comes walking back in to the rest of the, the guys. He's got this look on his face like Christmas morning presents under the tree and one too many rides on the roller coaster. You know what I mean? You know, I don't know if he's going to be happy or throw up, but he's just like. <laughs> said, what? He said, y'all aren't going to buy this. Slow it down. You all aren't going to believe this. I got it. Okay. And he says, that was my wife. I'll, I'll just do my English now. He says, that was my wife. And this was, uh, we prayed on a Tuesday. This was Wednesday night late. He says, my son called my wife this afternoon. And he said, I'm really sorry, Mom. He said, I want to come home. And he said, uh, he said, are you going to church tonight? And Mom said, yeah. He says, can I go with you? She went, yeah. And the boy came home, and she took him to church. And there's an evangelist there that said, man, if you're away from the Lord, come on now. The guy was up and, re- and puts Christ back in his life. We were 1,000 miles apart. 1,000 miles apart. Durango, Atlanta. What happened? He turned the heart of the father to a child. And as only God can, he reached a thousand miles and he grabbed that young man by the heart and he said, you need to go home, son. Go home. And he did. And he did. Amen. I applaud the Lord for that. It's crazy. Now, chances are good that in a room this size, some of you might have a son or a daughter, a grandson or granddaughter, a niece or a nephew that's that's out there. Did, did you know anybody like that? Does anybody know anybody like that? I'm asking if I'm not asking if it's yours. OK, look at all the hands. I'm telling you, they can come home. They're not cursed. They're not cursed. They're not destined. They're not fated to be out there. Let's turn our hearts, and even if the natural dad or the natural mom can't do it, let's do it for them, and let's start digging in in prayer for these people, and we'll call them home. I have seen it all around the world. There's enough prayer power in here right now to call so many of these young ones home. This is part of what we must be about. There's nothing more important. All right. So here's some things that would hinder us. If you would be interested in turning your heart to the next generation, here's some things that would hinder us. Number one is fear of rejection. Doesn't that sound weird? I'm saying that to parents. Fear of rejection. Yeah, we don't want to be rejected. And when our our sons and daughters get a little bit older, we're like, man, I don't even know if I want to reach out. I I don't know. what 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 if they don't accept me as dad or as mom? Stepdads and stepmoms, probably got some of those in here. Foster parents, I don't know. You got to override that. Wrong priorities can get in your way. We major in minors. We get busy with everything other than what's really important. I'm a victim. I'm a self-induced victim of that. I learned my lesson early on. But there was a day in my life when business, another contract, money, Another dead deer on the ground, another fish in my creel was preeminent. And the kids were add-ons. Bad idea, right? Real bad idea. So I want you to think about you. What are your priorities? Are you majoring in minors? Are you trying to achieve something for you at the expense of the next generation? If you are, tonight would be a great night to turn that around. Here's another one that gets us. Wounds from the past. We've been wounded. So many of us have been wounded in here. And that can cause us not to want to reach out, even to the next generation and our own kids. The final one is a Gideon complex. You all know who Gideon was? Gideon of the Bible was this guy that he's hiding out from the enemy. 
And God sends a messenger, and the messenger says, Hail, mighty warrior. And Gideon's reply was, You talking to me? Well, me? Who, me? He didn't know the power he had. And I say the same thing to every one of you adults. Hail, mighty warrior. Hail, mighty warrior. Hail, mighty warrior. God needs you. Hail, mighty warrior. Hail, mighty warrior. God needs you. It's your time. Hail, mighty warrior. He needs you. There's a whole generation being chewed up out there. And all we need is a few people to go, yeah, sign me up for that war. I don't care what it costs. Sign me up for that one. It's not arrogance to say you're called to protect the young ones. That's not arrogant. That's just answering the call. Hail, mighty warrior. Hail, mighty warrior. And some of you that have been through the toughest times, you're the ones that are going to reach the kids going through the toughest times. Some of you that have been beat up, kicked in the head, stomped on, laughed at, mocked, you're exactly the ones that God will use to protect the young ones because you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like. So those things don't disqualify you. They help to call you. Now, there's some blessings that come from a turned heart. Number one is a sense of purpose. I will guarantee you there are people in this room right now that go to church, you go through your life, and you're kind of going... Yeah, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not a youth pastor. I'm not a children's pastor. Ah, gee, I wish I had a purpose. You do. The next generation. Sons and daughters, maybe not of your own flesh, but sons and daughters that are just begging for some adult man or woman to say, I got you, man. I got you. Let me love on you a little bit. Let me teach you some things that I've learned. Let me show you how to avoid some of the limps that I've picked up in life. You've just been called. And it's awesome when you get that sense of purpose. Legacy. We've got to build our legacy every day. One of the best legacies that I've got, and I've done some interesting things in life, won some awards and things and had some notoriety in certain areas. I could care less. My legacy is my four kids, my two granddaughters, one that will be here next month, and the spiritual sons that God's given me. That's my legacy. I don't care about anything else. That's it. That's what I'll hang my hat on. When I stand before the Lord, I'm not going to go, hey, I won this cool award. Rubbish. I'm going to go, hey, hey, that, that Brian Pruitt over there, that's my son. I've watched over him, Lord, for the last 20 years, and I'll watch over him for the next 20 if you give them to me. And Chris and Jenny and Stephen and Daniel and Bella and Joy... I got them. I'm not letting anything else crowd out how important they are to me. That's my, those are my trophies, Lord. Aren't they cool? Aren't they cool? Now, the reaction to this message varies. Kind of interesting. For some of us, it's a roller coaster. I wonder if any of you have noticed that. Because you hear me talking about next generation and getting fired up, and you go, Woo, that's awesome. And then you go, wait a minute, that didn't happen for me. It's ah, not so good. And then if you've already had your kids go through, you go, hey, it's, I can, do, oh, wait, I made all these mistakes, right? Anybody relate to the roller coaster? Anybody? Yeah, I got a lot of nods. Good. What do you do on a roller coaster? Stay in your seat. Don't stand up and hang on. You'll be okay. It will eventually settle down. Some people get excited when they hear this. Some of you are being called tonight into this ministry. I'm not talking about quitting your job. I'm just saying you're being called into the ministry of mentoring the next generation. Can some of you feel that already? I see some nodding heads. I like that. Anybody over here? You getting it? Okay, good. Praise God. So we get excited. Some people feel sadness and anger and regrets because this didn't happen for you when you were growing up. That is too bad. That really is too bad. But here's what we do with it. You can go the next 20 years with too bad and ain't it awful and how rotten it was that you got anything from abuse to neglected. But you're not putting good stuff in your box that way. Nobody would blame you. I wouldn't blame you. I just know you're bigger than that. I just know you're stronger than that. I know that that's not the legacy that you want to carry with you. So let's tonight be this line 
that we say from this night forward, I will not be identified by what did or didn't happen to me in the past. Tonight, I'll be identified with the call of God on my life to minister to the next generation. Dan Fogelberg is a singer. Anybody ever heard of Dan Fogelberg? Some of you? Profound song. One line in his song went like this. When faced with the past, the strongest man cries. And it's true. And there are things in our past that we can cry about. I've had some great tears at times. But I'm not allowing something bad in my past, whether I made a mistake with my own kids or what didn't happen for me, to become my identity and to limit my calling. So the time is there to shed some tears. We do that. Then we square our shoulders and we move forward into the call. Okay? Here's an important truth. It's never too late. You've got to say that with me. It's never too late. I'll say it one more time. It's never too late. Some of you have older kids. Oh, we made these mistakes. We did this wrong. Da, 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 da. It's never too late. As long as there's breath going back and forth, it's not too late. I have seen so many families reconnected because moms and dads said, I'm not giving up. I'm not backing off. I'm going after this thing. It's never too late. So um, just understand that nobody can go back and change the past, but we can start tonight and make a new future. Doesn't that sound like a good idea? We can start tonight and make a new future. Okay? So here's a prayer that I'm going to invite you to think about. We'll pray it at the end of the night if you choose to. I prayed this prayer in Atlanta years and years ago. And the prayer is this. Lord, break my heart for the next generation. Be careful. If you pray it, be careful. Because God is listening and he will do it. And if you've got a hardness of heart, if you've got a heart that's just crowded full of other stuff, if you've got your own junk and issues that are in there, it's a really cool prayer to pray. Lord, break my heart for the next generation. And God comes in as only he can. Boom! Blows it up and instantly puts it back together as only God can. And now there's room for the next generation. It's so cool. So you've got to ask yourself if you want to pray that. Don't, don't pray it if you don't want to pray it. But you've got to ask yourself if you want to do that. So here's what I want you to think about. We're going to take a break. Um, let you stand up and stretch for a minute. Um, the next thing I'm going to share with you tonight and I need some more volunteers. That makes some of you very, very nervous. Yeah, I got you, brother. <laughs> is, uh, the next thing I'm going to share is the power of a plan. I'm going to show you the elements of the plan. I don't have time to go into great detail, but I'm going to show you the whole plan. All right? What Kathy and I used with our kids, and we've used with our spiritual kids, and we've taught people around the world. I'm going to share it with you tonight. Is that okay? Sound good? All right. But in the meantime, during our little break here, here's what I want you to ponder. What was handed to you in the box? From the previous generations, what was handed to you in the box? I just want you to think about that. Because too often we just go, this is how I am. I love this one. This is the way God made me. And I usually hear that right after somebody did something really dumb. Right? You ever heard that? Oh, God made me this way. Hmm. No, he didn't. You just had stuff in your box you didn't get rid of. And so you're acting out in a way that's not pleasing to God or man. And, and then we're going, yeah, but God made me this way. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You have an opportunity this night to dump the stuff out of the box that you don't want in there and start filling it with great stuff. And whatever days you have left to be able to hand that off to your natural sons and daughters, grandson, granddaughters, nieces, nephews, and the spiritual ones that God will give you. But this is the night for you to really ponder what was in your box because whatever you got in your box has affected how you think, how you live, how you work, how you play, and clearly how you interact with those around you and the next generation. Make sense? So your assignment for the next five minutes is going to be to stand up, walk around, stretch, grab some water, lemonade, whatever out there, and think about that. Because when we get to the end of the night, I think God's going to do some really cool things in emptying out the boxes and putting good stuff in there. Okay? Five-minute break. Everybody stretch. Meet some new people. If you don't know everybody here, introduce yourself.
You're the God of this city, you're the King of these people, you're the Lord of this nation, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the peace to the restless, you are, there is no
couple neat testimonies of what 